Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening and welcome back to an adventure in history. We are so glad, as always, that you're joining us again this evening, or if you're listening via podcast, glad you're there too. We're well into January. Are we glad if they're not listening live, but they're not listening to the podcast, so maybe somebody else is playing the podcast and they're just eavesdropping? Are we still glad? <laughs> we are still Cause, glad. Because that was very specific of you. We are glad. Well, they're still <laughs> listening to a podcast. If oh, that's true. Yes. I can't think of any other loophole to shatter your two options. My wordsmithing. <laughs> your no. wordsmithing. Yes. <laughs> good right, luck, well, I'm, Mac. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really super excited about today. Yes. You, we have a good guest. I'm we a, do. Mm-hmm. And, and technically the first guest of 24. Ooh, Correct. it is. Because the last time we had guests were all the kids, and that was New Year's Eve. That was, yep. The, just prior so, to. Ooh, so there's no pressure, so, Scott. Yeah, you are the first guest. I, I do of, feel the pressure. Of 24. So you're setting the tone for the entire year of our guests. Great. This is the Astoria <laughs> City Manager, Scott Spence, for a year and a week now. Yes. Glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> Excellent. Glad well, we, you're here. Glad we waited you're, a year yeah, to make sure you were going to stick and make sure you were still going to be here. So. <laughs> You made so now, it through a winter, and then we're, we're partway through another one. So now we think you're going to stay. I did, and I bought rain pants, so that should be a good indication <laughs> that I'm here for hopefully another winter. You didn't have rain pants before this? Not Grundens. Oh, okay. yeah. so good, aren't right. they? Yeah. yeah, and then the waterproof boots. And shoes, too. I mean... Yes, the whole outfit. Yes. See, sometimes I'm just tempted to go the other direction, just wear a swimsuit. <laughs> And call it good. Tempted. Why bother? Yeah. You, you, you do that, Mac. It was a little too cold for You me. know what we missed? What did we miss? We missed, because it was so exciting last time, we missed your birthday. No, not my birthday. Yeah, Mac Burns Day. It's totally different than my birthday. Oh, totally different. Yeah, it my, is. Bur- my birthday's in October. Oh, we missed Mac Burns Day. Mac Burns Day. It's the day that I usually wear your the t-shirt. <laughs> I have a t-shirt yes. with Mac's face plastered on it. January 6th. Um, and so happy celebration of Mac Burns Day. It was, uh, it was very low key this year. It was the mayor of Astoria at the time made yes. the proclamation and put it into, I don't know, history. How many years now? Well, the, it was right after the Astoria Bicentennial because mm-hmm. during that, that sequence, the Historical Society and I were everywhere. I was the president of the Rotary Club. I was the Admiral's aide in regatta. Oh, my gosh. We opened the film museum. Wow. And then we ran the, the Astoria Bicentennial celebration. And it was kind of coming up for, and we started this radio show. Okay. And it was right after that. Then, but the, but the difference usually when they do those, like today's your day proclamations, it's you go to city council and it's that day, and it's already the evening and the day's over. <laughs> Did and you get a key? No, for whatever reason, they put it instead of like the Monday night, they put it for that Friday. <laughs> and all kinds of strange, wacky things happen. People put my face With all over picture. downtown in stores. <laughs> yep. They were in, in storefronts. People and then, were posting photos with themselves holding up Mac's face in front of theirs. Like the downtown association, yeah. there's a picture of like 20 people holding up my face in front of their faces. We're all in. So, so what was the exact day? I know January 6th, but what year? 2012. Oh. Yes, yeah, quite a while. 
yeah. still running. Nobody said yeah. we, we should stop this. <laughs> so, Fun. Well, thank you for embarrassing me. Yes, I yes. appreciate that. <laughs> Since we got a great guest, we got a great show. We need to get yeah. on with this. So these are the uh, history highlights. The or, no, we actually oh, do we you have first. A word. We do the word of the day first. I'm I'm all discombobulated. Namelings. Namelings. It's a noun. 18th century. Namelings. Namelings. Any idea? I, I my guess, guess my guess is going to be because I like to give our guest a little time to think about it and then I give a really bad guess so he can seem far more intelligent than I am. So namelings, I think that is going to be um, another word for your children. Oh, that's a good one. Incorrect though. <laughs> is it some root of surnames? Nope, not at all. Neither one of you got it. It's people who possess the same name. This, this doesn't happen oh. to Mac and I frequently, although oh, my name is, has become more popular and Later I've, years, I've but never, not a lot of McAndrews. I've never met another McAndrew. Right. I've met people with that last name, but never as right. a first name. Yeah. So. Namelings. Namelings. You don't have anyone with your name, Scott, right? No. There's no, no namelings out there. No. It doesn't have to be the full name. <laughs> oh, well, it just says yeah, people who know. possess the same name. I don't know if I like that or not. I failed <laughs> etymology. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I went first. So you didn't feel badly because they're, they're kind of hard. Um, I think that one could catch on, though. That was a good one. Yeah. So if, if somebody out there has somebody, like you're they my, can start saying. You're my nameling. Yeah. That could come back. <laughs> All right. So the history highlights, these are things that happen tomorrow. As always, icebreakers or winning bar bets or uh, just uh, things to talk about when you're bored. January 15th, things that happen on this day. 1759, the British Museum opens in London. And they stole everything from around the world and nobody had anything left. No, so the right. British Imperial or yeah. Oh, is there a difference between the British Imperial Museum and British Museum? I always assumed it was in Trafalgar Square. Is it near there? I don't know. Okay. I've never been. I'll stop talking. Have you, have you been there? No, I have not. Okay. All right. I've never been there. So I, I can't speak to anything British. Um, 1777. I put this one in kind of just for me. Vermont declares independence from the colony of New York. The, Vermont. Right. Separate. A separate colony. And you know who was involved in that? Oh, who? Oh, it was um, one of your Ethan f- Allen. Yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I used to run his last house that he lived in in Vermont. In Vermont, Burlington, yep. Vermont. And I grown up in New York, and and a lot of the people laughed about, oh, you're a Yorker. Oh, funny. And I said, am I allowed? And they said, well, if you quit New York and come here, then we'll accept you, but you can't claim an alliance okay. anymore to New York. Interesting. It was quite the uh, quite the little battle. Sure. All right, because uh, New York did not want to get Vermont up. Seventeen ninety seven. The first top hat is worn by John Etherington of London. Ooh, what year was that? 1797. Uh, okay. 1797. Do you want to hear more about this? Yes. Of course you do. Yeah. Uh, so he was a haberdasher, often credited as the inventor of the top hat, which is said to have caused a riot when he first wore it in public on January 15th, 1797. He was arraigned before the Lord Mayor on a charge of breach of the peace. Wow. And inciting a riot and was required to post a 500 pound bond equivalent to about uh, 55,000 pound today. Oh my goodness. Reportedly, he had appeared on the public highway wearing upon his head what he called a silk hat, which was shiny luster and calculated to frighten timid people. The officers of the crown stated that several women fainted at the unusual sight while children screamed, dogs yelped, and a younger son of... uh, uh, Cardinal Tom, Cardinal Thomas, whoever that is, was thrown down by the crowd, which collected and had his right arm broken. And what was the concern? He was wearing a big giant top hat. <laughs> it's tall. 
<laughs> so I guess the follow-up question is, when did it become popular? Because that's a... Pretty quickly after that. Okay. I hope yeah. he uh, capitalized on that after yeah. being embarrassed publicly. So well, we... then that drove the need for beaver pelts. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's a connection to Astoria. There is. That's one of the reasons I included that. Plus, well. I was hoping maybe you could like make this into a new rule or something. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that he uh, shouldn't appear in public wearing a, uh, upon his hat, a silk hat. All right, uh, 1831, The Hunchback of Notre Dame is finished. Okay. Are we fans? Uh, yeah. I haven't read it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, me neither. Uh, 1870, The First Appearance of the Democratic Party Donkey. I saw that one. In Harper's Weekly. Hmm. All right, 1919, The Great Boston Molasses Flood. Fury, fury hot uh, molasses floods the streets of Boston on January 15th, 1919, killing 21 people Ooh. and injuring scores of others. The molasses burst from a huge tank at the United States Industrial Alcohol Company building in the heart of the city. The United States Industrial Alcohol Building was located on Commercial Street near North End Park in Boston. It was close to lunchtime on uh, January 15th, and Boston was experiencing some unseasonably warm weather as workers were loading freight train cars within the large building. Next to the workers was a 58-foot-high tank filled with 2.5 million gallons of crude molasses. Suddenly, the bolts holding the bottom of the tank exploded, shooting out like bullets, and the hot molasses rushed out. Oh, An awful. eight-foot wave. Oh. Sticky. <laughs> Sticky. Terrifying. It's your one-word assessment, Sticky. <laughs> I, I, this, okay, I, we're not going to, obviously, 21 people killed yeah, and people horrible. hurt is not something to laugh about. But something so crazy as an eight-foot wave of molasses, doesn't that just strike you as something that would happen in Astoria? <laughs> just something goofy and strange and weird. No. I mean, we don't want it to happen. But it just is so strange. It's odd, yes. All right. Uh, 1943, the world's largest office building is completed. Largest office building. Chicago. The Pentagon. Oh, the Pentagon. Yeah. Really? Okay. 1967, Packers beat the Chiefs in the first Super Bowl. That was for you. Oh, Uh, 1972, American Pie hits number one on the pop charts. Anybody want to sing? Bye, bye. Nope. Don McLean. All right. (laughs) There we go. 1977, the Coneheads first appear on Saturday Night Live. Wow. Uh, 2009, pilot Sully Sullenberg performs the Miracle on the Hudson. Yes, amazing. But our history highlight of the day, obviously, 1929, Martin Luther King Jr. is born. Yes. And we do know I usually shy away from just the birthdays, but come on, it's Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, exactly. So did I miss anything? You did. (gasps) And so you're a Packers fan? Football, sports. Mm. Yes. Understood. Yep. He he wouldn't necessarily consider it history. (laughs) Sort of like a sidebar. (laughs) I don't include all the baseball stuff. I know you don't. There we go. That's my trade-off. But uh, January 15th, 2001, so just barely in Mm -hmm. my uh, my book, um, after one year after the unsuccessful launch of Newpedia, an online free encyclopedia, its successor... Wikipedia. Correct. Goes live. Um, As of January of this year, it has more than 6.8 million articles in more than 300 languages. And my takeaway here for kids listening or young adults or even adults is still check your sources. Wikipedia is still relying on other people to provide its content, and those other people are not necessarily paid. Exactly. Um, so still do your research. Cause, research. Because once upon a time, and I, I, I forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, but I think Stephen Colbert had enough people email in corrections that for a brief period of time on Wikipedia, the first human being on the moon was Stephen Colbert. Oh my goodness. 
And I think it was up for like a day or two, and then they it realized that was not true. Wow. Right. So yes. history Because can... they use software as well to mm-hmm. sort of filter, but you're right, when you have more than one, yep, don't try that at home. So I was trying to figure out a good segue from Wikipedia <laughs> to the Astoria City Manager, but I'm... God I'm, is I'm, a great source of information. <gasps> there we go. There we go. There's our, well, our In segue. such a short period of time, he yep. has made this place home. Yeah. So, welcome. <laughs> yes. We're excited you're here. Glad to be here. We're Glad more, to be here again. We're more excited by you being here than Wikipedia. So. <laughs> Great. Well, I don't have 6.8 million articles in my head. Right. Or <laughs> followers either, right? Right. Yeah. True. <laughs> so, give us your background in case people haven't met you. You've been yeah. in the job as city manager of this great city of Astoria for a year and a week. But, but where'd you grow up? What's your background? So, I was, uh, I come from Marion County. I was born in Salem, Oregon. So I'm an Oregonian. Um, we used to joke fourth, fifth generation. So at some point, our my family, the Fellers, came and they did not go through the overland route. They actually went through the Panama Canal prior to being a canal. Right? There was an oh, overland sure. route. Yeah. Sure. So I thought that was smart. Right? About what time period? Where did they come from? And why did they come here? So they got a land grant from Andrew Johnson. So roughly after Lincoln's presidency. Well, it would have been since he was wow. the next president, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know that. You're looking at me to confirm, but you already know so, that. Citations. I just want to make sure that doesn't get so changed. Checking his facts. <laughs> so um, from there, I always had a deep interest in, believe it or not, history and government. And where I grew up, there was a lot of distrust in government, which that seems odd, right? And uh, I had always wanted to... Um, pursue a career. I, I kind of figured that out. I went to Southern Oregon State College. Now it's a university. They actually uh, mm. elevated themselves after I left, apparently. Mm. And uh, I got a political science and history degree. And from there, I worked for Marion County for the Board of Commissioners for a stint. And they encouraged me to go get a master's. And so I pursued a master's at Willamette University. And at that time, uh, an MBA. And uh, at that time, I had went to other cities, I was exposed to county government, and I thought the biggest contribution I could make if I were involved in local government, specifically a municipal a municipality. And uh, my first, very first job out of graduate school was in Sherwood, Oregon. Um, that was a really interesting experience. That was in 1996, and uh, a lot of rapid growth. Intel was coming into Washington <laughs> County. It seemed like Sherwood was the last outpost in the metro government area, and so there was a lot of uh, development pressure on there. Spent about three plus years there and uh, sought a job opportunity in Lacey, Washington in 1999 as a director of public services and uh, was there in total for my career for 23 years. But during that 23 year time, I uh, was promoted to assistant city manager. And then in 2011, I became the city manager and uh, spent roughly 11 years as city manager in the city of Lacey. And, and the so, population there, I mean, that's pretty big. Yeah, city. so when I first uh, arrived in Lacey, it was about 29,000, and when I left, it was about 57,000. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And was that all due to you recruiting people to come right. move to the town? That's... I think it was more of a location, location, location. We were right on I-5. We were close to Joint Base Los McCord. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, as you know, the economy changed, and we had a lot of vacant land on I-5, and so the full fulfillment center idea, Amazon, um, came about and so we had a large industrial park that was vacant and so we had a lot of development which drove a lot of that and also joint basils McCord also grew rapidly and so a lot of people we had a lot of military personnel live in the city of Lacey so okay. it was a really interesting time okay so that was the quick elevator I didn't interrupt you even oh. though there are about 
12 stops that I wanted to say, okay, wait, tell me more about this. Gotcha. So, so back it up. You go to, you go to school, college yes. for history and political science. Yes. So you're a high school kid. How are you get interested in this? What, what sparks that interest? Cause not a lot of kids 20 years ago or 30 years ago really were into politics. At least when I was a kid, they weren't. Yeah, and I would say less about politics, more about government. So I went to North Marion High School, which is nice. I know that Astoria plays North Marion. Um, please know my allegiance is to Astoria now, so <laughs> I've forgiven my uh, North Marion roots. Mm-hmm. But uh, my mom was a teacher there, and it was interesting that at that time, back in the 80s, um, we failed, I don't know how many school levies. And that I think that actually came uh, measure nine, if I recall right, was the kind of response to solve all that issue. But um, again, it, you just heard the sort of distrust of even schools and local government that failing the system. And I just, I, I think because my interest in history and love for history, I felt like, well, no, I think government actually is a, has the ability to solve problems and be part of something bigger. And it is driven by the public. And so if a, if a government's a failure, that means as a community, then we're failing ourselves. So what is that? And so I did a school project, believe it or not, in Hubbard, Oregon, and met what the first time a position called city administrator. I'm like, well, what does a city administrator do? And that really kind of introduced me to this whole idea of a profession where you can actually help manage a city, build parks, maintain roads, provide essential services like water and sewer. And it was really fascinating. And so that's kind of the spark that led me to pursue an education that would support that that profession. So it really never was politics it really was government from the very beginning for right. you correct okay it was but you must of- have been recruited somewhere along the way have you thought about i mean especially being so close to salem and then you went to willamette university um it, it must have crossed your path or the opportunity or suggestion at some point there was but i, I mean there really is a distinction between there a, a is, public yeah. servant and an elected official and they they really are two different positions both critical um but i guess i've always had the passion of sort of being apolitical (laughs) and wanting just to sort of uh, do the craft of helping run uh, an organization which happens to be government where you have the taxpayers and you almost have a higher I'd say responsibility just given the fact that this is the public's money and and how do you spend it appropriately giving all the community demands and you know either sometimes lack of resources or more resources. So you go to college, and you, if I heard you correctly, you double majored political science and history. Double down. Okay. <laughs> so why the the history then? Well, as political science and history, there's a lot of intersection there. If you go to a liberal arts college, and um, and talking to my advisor, essentially said, look, you know, if you took a, additional classes in this, you can get a double major. And since I loved history anyway, it was just sort of a natural. And so that was more of something I, it was more of a passion that kind of seemed appropriate and also complemented political science. So I'm very stunned by that because that is my exact same story. I was going to college for a political science degree and I just was taking so many history classes and there weren't a lot of history majors. One of the professors was like, if you just take another three classes, right. did your professors ever talk about a career in history and what you could do? Because that's the great failing of my college that the history professors never talked about anything with a degree unless you were going to go teach or it's a great foundation to go get a law degree. Hmm. There was never any other discussion of what use a history degree was. They did not other than teaching. So there was that aspect of it. And and as I mentioned before, my mother was a teacher and obviously that's another noble profession, but it just wasn't necessarily my passion. And I think that requires a different gift to be a teacher in a classroom. 
and I don't know if I possess those gifts. So I did not <laughs> pursue a, a career in uh, education. And really at that time, I was still trying to decide do I, what level of government. If you go to university or college, there is a lot of emphasis on state and federal government. And it's interesting, there seems to be a lack of body of knowledge or participants that are, say, local government professionals then go into the educational system and try to say, look, you should think about being a planner or community development director or a city manager even. Mm -hmm. And is that your passion, local? I mean, let's say that, that President Y called you and said, I want you to be the number two person at the Department of Commerce or something like that. Is, is this level of government that you've been at more of your passion? And if so, why? It is. And I think... Um, County government is completely, I mean, because that's also local government too, but it is such a unique and different aspect of local government. And they do bigger things. I mean, you're talking about public health. You're talking about, uh, you know, a larger judicial system. You're talking about jail and incarceration. And um, so they have sort of the broader things that are obviously critical to a community. But um, when it comes to seeing a direct impact, like building a park, taking care of utilities, I mean, so that has sort of been more of my interest and, and passion. And so that's why I've kind of leaned into. So again, I was had a pretty good exposure to county government work in Marin County. Mm -hmm. Great experience. I was able to tour all the various departments. Obviously, I have more elected officials. So that's its own sort of complexity when it, you, you talk about running local government. Um, but I was able to count ballots one time. I and mean, they do a oh, wow. phenomenal job. And so I visited the county jail. I went to the solid waste department. And so really the breadth and scope of what county government cannot be underestimated in terms of what function and how critical it is. But what I did experience was when I was in Salem, um, that's where obviously um, Marin County was located at, they had an issue in Detroit, Oregon, but it was in an unincorporated area. So that took about an hour and a half to go out there and deal with an issue and then come back. You've basically taken an entire day. Now you're still dealing with the public, but it just, that was a different level of contact, which I think is still needed, but it's more difficult for that size of government to do. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So growing up, what else did you do? Where'd you work? Where, what hobbies did you have? So my father was a carpenter. So um, during the summertime, I would help build uh, custom homes or we would, you know, if there was a subdivision being built, um, he would be working on that. So I got to pack a lot of boards, a lot of plywood. <laughs> I got to do a lot of nailing. And at some point I graduated to putting a skill saw in my hand. But um, I wouldn't say call myself a carpenter, but it, yeah, we built a, a number of houses during really after middle school, high school, and even through college too. So oh, that was wow. a really good experience. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. And, and where's your family now? Cause you said so, I mean, cause they, a lot of them did settle there. Um, so my mother still lives in the okay. same um, area where she grew up. And so um, I still go to Marin County and yeah. uh, it's about, it's ironic. Uh, it's almost like a perfect triangle. If you go from Lacey to Marin County, which is just where my mother lives almost by St. Paul Donald area. Um, it's about two plus hours and from Astoria, to that same area is about two plus hours. So it's, <laughs> I thought it was moving closer, but it was in state only, name yes. only. So it just felt like it was close. Exactly. So we got about five minutes. I want to make sure we have a little bit of time to talk about Astoria. So had you, before you applied and got interviewed and came here, had you ever visited Astoria before? And what were your impressions either as a visitor or what made you apply to come here? So I do remember even in high school learning about Astoria and about the two great fires and I mean there's some familiarity with Astoria and we took a field trip I believe in middle school and, and went to um, the Peter Iredale and went to the beach and saw that I mean so I had some familiarity going to Astoria and as I got older 
um, I may have mentioned this in the paper during the interview process, but we, um, my mother-in-law had a place in Long Beach and we would cross the bridge and you know, we'd, you'd visit Astoria and Astoria just really was always a unique community, but it's different visiting versus living here. And what I thought I knew about Astoria and now that I've been here for a year, I'm actually, I'm more pleased and blown away about how extensive and rich in history this community is and really just getting to know the, the, the community too. So, um, more than pleasantly surprised. You'll be here 20 years and you're still not going to scratch the <laughs> surface of Astoria. Yeah, it does seem like every weekend it's like, I didn't didn't know that was there or I learned something. And it, it is interesting about this community that there are references that have, go back 80 years about buildings that don't exist, but everyone knows them by name. And I can't, like, for instance, there's the blue building where the state offices used to be. Mm-hmm. It's no longer blue. But apparently <laughs> yes. it was blue at one point, but it's still the marker. So My husband did that just the other day and I was like, what building are you talking about? That's something he never yes. saw or he never saw that color, but he still knows right. that's what I'm supposed to call yes. it. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Or, you know, Skip Hauke's uh, grocery store, right? Yeah, the right. old Safeway. Or, yeah. That is exactly. my biggest regret that I never saw Skip's store. He'd already closed. Oh. It was already bulldozed when I got here. I missed it by about five months. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was yeah. close. But yeah. you're right. That is a kind of, it's kind of unique to this area, yeah, right? Yeah, very funny. Um, especially because there's a whole generation of people who didn't even see those things yet we'll still refer to them mm-hmm. yeah no. how unique so what other activities do you like doing here now that you're here on the coast um you were landlocked there for a while oh, well you were actually i mean you were landlocked but still near some, some water but different <laughs> are, you, are you talking about lacy oh yeah. yeah right so just on the tip of puget mm-hmm. sound um you know we like the great outdoors we do have a, an actually old 1972 airstream that nice. uh, we bought geez, I don't know, five six years ago and um, before we even pulled a trailer, our maiden voyage was to the Redwoods, which was probably not the best thing because the brakes went out. That's a oh. different story. But if you ever do a podcast on RVs and what not to do, I could probably provide some insight on that. <laughs> That's next week's show, surprisingly <laughs> enough. So um, we also have uh, our, we, <laughs> I have two kids, me and my wife. So I have a, um, a younger son. He's just 19. He's actually currently um, in the National Guard. He's at Fort Moore right now in advanced infantry training. And I have a daughter who just graduated from uh, Arizona ASU, and uh, she just got her first job in state government. So oh, maybe oh, that's wow. leading to you know maybe a career at some point. And now, would you service. ever be allowed to hire her here, or would that be considered too? Right. Uh... That'd be that'd be wrong. <laughs> this is but that was been the simplest terms. Nepotism. That'd be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. She may Word, not want to work yeah, for her well, dad no, either. Of course she wouldn't. <laughs> no. Word of the day: nepotism. nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> Which could work for the county. Is she thinking the same <laughs> career path as you, or where's her interest lie? You know, she got a degree in business, but um, yeah, I think at this point she's still trying to explore what ultimately mm-hmm. she wants to do. But uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that she got yeah. a job in state government. I was like, wow, yeah. kind of feel good. Now, my that son is- a long time ago told me, he's like, Dad, and this is probably seven or eight years old, he says, Dad, I, I want to be just like you. I want to be a city manager. And, you know, what what better thing to hear from your you know your son or your child? And he paused for me and goes, or a garbage, garbage man. Oh, no. So it kind of, it fits, you know, I kind of <laughs> understand the duality there. <laughs> so we've got about a minute left. So you talked about one of the things about local, like you get to see that playground being built or something like mm-hmm. that. So you, we've got one minute left. What's one of the best things, not necessarily in Astoria, but anything that you had a part in creating that you're like, wow, that was really satisfying. 
So two things. So when I was in Sherwood, um, they wanted to build a recreational facility. And we partnered with, at that time, the YMCA. And if you ever go down 99W, you'll see the Sherwood YMCA. So I was a project manager way back when, when I was fresh out of college, which was a a great project to be part of. And then when it opens up and you see all the people there, and um, that's pretty impactful. The other one I'd mention would be we worked um, pretty closely with the military and we were trying to convince the federal government to provide veteran services in Lacey, Washington. And long story short, but the city of Lacey at the time stepped up, rented room or space, commercial space, to get uh, federal employees to provide direct uh, services to veterans. And right now it's uh, called the Lacey Veteran Services Hub. It's grown. It has 28 nonprofits and it provides about five to 6,000 uh, daily, not daily, yearly contacts with oh veterans trying to connect them with services from education to housing. So that was a pretty impactful project. Awesome. That well, is we amazing. We are, are looking forward to your impact here in Astoria. Thanks for joining us this evening. And we expect you here for another at least uh, 15 or 20 years. <laughs> All right, go mix mystery. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for an adventure in history. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.